there's a um, there was a missionary. His name was George Muller. Anybody heard of George Muller? He was um, uh, from Germany, and he lived a, a, a very rebellious life in his early years. He went off to seminary, and God got a, heart, a hold of his heart while he was off studying, and uh, took up a pastorate in the UK. And while they were there, they had a, a box. The way the, the pastors would get paid, they had a box, um, and they, would, they had an agreement with how much they were going to pay the pastor. Um, and he didn't like the fact that they had a preset agreement. So he said, listen, I would rather just trust God that God's going to meet my needs. And he made an agreement with the church that he was going to put this box there, and if people gave and they put in it, whatever they did, that's what God was supplying. And he began this walk of faith in trusting the Lord. So um, uh, he learned through this in, in his ministry that everything that he had need for, he never spoke out and actually asked anyone for anything. He always took it to the Lord, and the Lord would provide. This was a conviction that God put on his heart in how he was to operate in ministry. Over the lifetime of his ministry, he literally raised millions and millions of dollars without ever once asking for it. Millions and millions of dollars. Now, one brief story. Um, when you're trusting God, you're trusting that God's going to be faithful. But how many know that God's faithfulness is in his timing? So uh, fast forward in his ministry, he started a, um, a, a, an orphanage. In the UK, in London, I believe it was. Uh, I, I could be wrong about being in London, but it was in the UK. And they had, uh, they had uh, been doing it for a while, and they had several kids. Um, they had quite a few number of kids that were part of this orphanage. One morning they came down, and they sat down for breakfast. And the workers came to him, and the workers said, there's literally nothing, no food at all in the cupboards, nothing. So he looked at him and said, seat them at the table. And so they all sat down and said, no, let's just pray. So they began to pray and they began to thank God for his provision. Lord, we thank you. You have put us here. You have called us here. We are here by your purpose. And Lord, we are trusting you for your provision. We thank you for this food that you are granting for us to eat. Before they finished praying, there was a knock at the door. The guy at the door was the, was the local baker. And he said, listen. The Lord laid it on my heart, and I've literally been up all night baking bread. Do you all need some bread? He said, come on in. You put it right on the table. And they came in, and while they're putting the bread on the table, there was another knock on the door. This was a, 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 a milk cart. A, a guy that was a milkman had a, had a milk cart, and the milk cart had broken down right outside the orphanage. And he said, listen, this cart broke down, and this milk is going to spoil. Can you all use some milk? He says, bring it right on in. You see, I'm bringing this up because on Wednesday nights, we're talking about a simple, uh, the, a simple guide to experience miracles. I want to invite you out. If you haven't come out yet, there's been, a, there's been a group of us together. We're beginning to pray for one another, and we're going to learn what prayer is. How do we call on God? When is it sometimes it seems like God's answering and God's not answering? We're going to look at all of the tough questions. But we ultimately know that we're calling on a God who hears us. 
We're counting on a God who desires to meet us right where we are. And how do we know that? So I want to invite you out. Come out on Wednesday nights. This is what we're doing. That was a, that was a commercial. Now, I'm not, eat dinner ahead of time. I'm not telling you that we're going to have any knocks on the door. <laughs> come have it already eaten. But, but let me say, God does these things. I'll tell you one more story along this line, and then we'll get into the message. There's a, there's a, a lady who ministers here local. I don't know if anybody's heard of Heaven's Army. Have I heard of Heaven's Army? She, uh, right now, her ministry is, is really geared to uh, helping women come out of very difficult and tough situations in their lives. And she uh, uh, used to have uh, this just tons of resources she would provide for, for anyone who wanted it. You come in, if you had a need, you come in. Her only requirement was you sat through a Bible study. You would go through a Bible study, and she would provide whatever. Well, uh, local um, a radio station, Christian radio station, KSBJ, called her. They had a major event that was going on. They said, will you provide the water for this? And she says, uh, well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. So she prayed about it, and the Lord laid on her heart. says, yes. You're going to provide the water for this. So, um, uh, so the event's getting closer. And so she calls back and tells him, yes, I'll, I'll provide the water for this. So the event's getting closer and closer. And as they get uh, really close to the event, she still doesn't have the water. She's looking on her shelves, and she got like two or three cases of water. And they, this is a, I don't know if you know KSBJ, their events aren't small. They need cases and cases and cases of water for this event. And so they're calling her, hey, do you have the water yet? No, but it'll be here. It'll be here. And she's praying, Lord, I really, you know, I understand that you laid this on my heart, so I'm trusting you. Well, just a, a, literally just a couple of days before the event, and she's wondering where this water is coming from. In fact, KSBJ's about to look for alternate source so they can find the water for the event. This tractor trailer pulls into her parking lot. The driver gets out and comes inside and says, listen, I've got a whole tractor trailer of water out here. Do you need water? This just happened just a few years back. She goes, yeah, don't don't even take it out. I can tell you exactly where to send it. (laughs) We serve a God who is faithful. And this month we've been talking about our mission as the body of Christ. Our mission is the body of Christ. You see, it's not just that God's faithful. He desires to be faithful through us. What good is the faithfulness of God if George Muller's not asking for it and he's reaching the orphans? What good is the faithfulness of God if Lenora's not saying, God, what is it that you've called me to do and how do you want me to be a part of this? God is faithful, but he wants to be faithful through us. And so, so this month, we've been talking about our mission as the body of Christ. The first week, Pastor Victor talked about the Great Commission. And, and he talked about how because his mother-in-law took it. So I love this story about his mother-in-law, like, wanting to drive him away by sharing the gospel with him. I thought that was great. <laughs> Who heard that? But, but seriously, taking the, the, that serious, seriously, that desire to, to take the gospel outside reached him, changed his life, and he talked about different ministries and things he's touched literally around the world in faraway places now because of this. The second week we talked about understanding that our, our part in the body, our part of, of that mission is not that we're just a part of a community that we, we choose to be a part, but we actually have fellowship with God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, I have fellowship with every one of you. 
It's not a choice I make. It's a fact of my salvation. And, and it's a mindset that's very foreign to the way we think. That I, we are connected to one another. And last week, we saw a very practical example of this as, as Melanie was sharing. As, as she came to Christ and, and she began to, to have that hunger to serve as part of the body. And she said, well, I can do the flower bed. And as she's doing the flower bed, the Lord speaks to her and says, well, how about Sunday school? She said, well, I don't know about Sunday school. And she starts to do Sunday school. And, well, how about Bible studies? When she, well, I don't know about Bible studies. And she starts to do Bible studies. Well, how about going overseas? Well, I really don't know about that. Now she's going overseas. And what's, what, what grabbed me about that, did you catch this? What grabbed me about this is she grew in intimacy with the Lord. She grew in greater service in the body of Christ. They were connected. They're connected. One doesn't come without the other. And so this morning, what we're going to look at is this whole concept of, are we called to be volunteers in the body of Christ or missionaries in the body of Christ? Are we called to be volunteers or missionaries? You see, how many know that the gospel calls us to a real relationship with God? But the gospel also calls us to an ideal relationship with God. If there's one thing we've learned from history, we look at the church and we look at the effect the church has had on the world and it absolutely blows our mind away when we see changed lives that have changed the world to where, where we have concepts like human rights and the dignity of the individual and freedom of the, of the oppressed and hospitals, universal hospitals and schools and all these things that have been born forth that have come from the gospel in the world. But also as we look at the history of the church, we see Horrible things and dark things that have been done by people that have brought harm. And what's the example the whole time? Christ is the example. He is constantly our example. There is a real relationship we have with him, and there is a constant call to the ideal relationship with him. Amen or oh me? See, Jesus meets us right where we are. And for me, that was really messed up. But he doesn't leave me right where I am. He calls me to grow in him. Consider what Paul wrote to the Romans. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The ideal. That's the ideal. We are called to be living sacrifices, just like Jesus laid his life down. That's what we're called to be. That's the ideal, to lay it down. How many here have reached the ideal and perfectly laid their life down? Oh, come on, don't be, don't be bashful. That's the ideal, but right after it, he meets us in the real. Listen to what he says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that, you, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. He says, look, he meets you where you are, and how you grow into that ideal is by continuing to renew this thing. He has changed you by his spirit. He's made you new. He's, he's granted you forgiveness, that darkness, that chaos in your heart. He has removed that which is, is, is uh, completely separated us from him. He's turned that into light and life within us. And then he's begun us on this journey where we change this thing up here. And we begin to conform our thinking to the ideal of his word. And as we grow closer to him, as we seek him in his word, as we seek him in fellowship, as we seek him in prayer, we change more and more and we learn what that will is that he has for us. 
He meets us where we are, and he calls us to where he wants us to be. So we have this mindset uh, um, so this is the question we need to ask ourselves this morning. Here's the question. What is it that needs to be renewed in me? What is it that's less than the ideal in me? What is it that we're called to? And I'm going to subject, uh, submit to you. What are my beliefs, my assumptions, my mindsets that are wrongly influenced by the culture in the world that need to b- embrace biblical mindsets? And I want to talk about one in particular, and that's the volunteer mindset versus the missionary mindset. The volunteer mindset versus the missionary mindset. What's the volunteer, the volunteer mindset? The volunteer mindset is this. It's one who fundamentally sees their salvation as a private matter between them and God. And their participation in the body as a separate and unrelated decision. That's the volunteer mindset. What happens in that? It says what? It says, well, there's a list of needs that are presented or opportunities that are presented. And we decide, if any, that fits our current lifestyle. Well, I have a relationship with God. I'm looking at these. Does that fit my current lifestyle? That's a volunteer. A missionary mindset says what? I, I, I fundamentally understand that my salvation equals my connection to God and the body of Christ. They're not separate. And they, they're inseparable, and you can't have one without the other. Missionaries understand that they themselves are the body of Christ. I'm not separate from the body of Christ. I am the body of Christ. So if I am the body of Christ, I can't be separated from it. If you are the body of Christ, you can't be separated from it. It's not a choice you have. You are the body of Christ. You see what that means then? If I'm not functioning as a member in the body of Christ, then of necessity, the body of Christ is not functioning. Did you catch that? If we're not functioning in the body of Christ, with the body of Christ, as God calls us, if we're not seeking him as to how I am to be functioning in the body of Christ, then the body of Christ itself is not functioning because you are the body of Christ. Do you see the difference in the mindset? All right. So why is that important? Because so far too often, we don't see ourselves as significant. We don't see ourselves as important. We don't see ourselves as matter, as mattering. We don't think that our presence makes a difference. Well, I mean, it's like if I took off your kneecap, would that not make a difference to you? Would, would it make a difference to you? <laughs> Been kneecapped. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through a text. We're going to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at this. How does Paul address this? And we're going to break this down as we go through this. Because Paul talks about this very specifically. He says this. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. and am start in verse 4. He says, now there are a variety of gifts. So there's what? A variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. What's fascinating to me here is what he puts here. He says, same. He says, same what? says, same spirit, same Lord, same God. He refers to the three uh, uh, aspects of the Trinity of God, the Father, Son, and the Spirit, and calls them the same. 
Everybody catch that? Same spirit, same Lord, same God. He's referring to the, the diversity within God as one. The communion in God is one. And then turns around and says, there's a variety of gifts, of service, and activity. And that every one of us, every one of us are empowered, not for our sake, but for the sake of the body. In other words, if there is a diversity in God and a oneness in God, there should be a diversity in the body and a oneness in the body at the same time to reflect him. It's incredible theology he's giving here right from the very beginning. He goes on, verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Did you catch what he just did here? So, I mean, we could literally spend hours on just those few verses we looked at there. For a second, I want us to lay aside all of the different gifts and understand what he's saying behind all that. Same spirit, same spirit, same spirit, same spirit. And what is he doing? That one spirit is doing something. He's empowering each one for the sake of the body. For the sake of the body. And now let's keep going. Let's get this. There's a whole lot more in this passage. Verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And he's just making an analogy here. Just like our body right here. This is one body, right? And there's a lot of members. I got feet, I got toes, I got fingers, I got knees, I got a lot of different members, but I don't really refer to, you know, my elbow as me. I refer to this as me, right? In the same way he's making that analogy, Christ on the earth today is exactly the same. That's how we see Christ on the earth today. So verse 13, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And I talked about this two weeks ago. I'm just going to hit this point again. That verse wasn't in the Bible before two weeks ago. It wasn't because I've always been baptized into Christ. Baptized into the body? Do you hear what he's saying? Your salvation is one and equal with your part in the body of Christ. You're baptized into the body in the same way. He doesn't separate. He doesn't make that distinction. All right. So, verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. There's many members in my body, right? Now, and he makes this analogy. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, I just kind of picture that. I might see a big eye walking around with legs, you know. The whole body were a cyclops. Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, that's even funnier. Where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God, God, who? Who? God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. Who chose? God, that's right. So, we are not any less a part of the body because of what we think. 
I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a prophet. I'm not gifted in teaching. I'm not good at this. Doesn't matter. You can't say because you're a hand, you're not a foot. Well, of course you're not a foot. The body doesn't need a foot or it has one. It needs the hand. That's what you are. There's not one person here that can say, I don't matter, I don't count. And any more that you can say, I don't need this part of my body right here. The body needs diverse parts. And furthermore, furthermore, God has chosen you, you, and put you exactly where he wanted you to be a part of it. He's placed you, arranged you. All right, let me keep going because there's more. Sounds like a cheap commercial, doesn't it? But wait, late night commercial? What would you pay? I'll tell you what Jesus paid. All right, verse 19. If, you, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did everybody read that? You're all reading the same Bible I'm reading? The parts of the body that seemed to be weaker are indispensable. Anybody sitting here, I'm going to cut to my chase. I'm going to cut right ahead. Anybody sitting here saying, I don't matter, I don't count, I'm not as important as, you're indispensable. Indispensable, it says. Well, those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, dis- we bestow greater honor. When our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, modesty uh, which, are more pre- which are our more presentable parts do not require. But God has, who? Who? God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be What? No division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You see, it doesn't matter what your gift is. The question is, do you care? It's not about how gifted you are. The question is, do you care? Because God does. He doesn't see you as less. He doesn't see you as unimportant. He doesn't see you as dispensable. He sees you as indispensable. He's placed you exactly where he wants you to to be. He cares, and that's why he did it. And he not only cares for you, he cares for the rest of the body. That's why he put you where you are, for them. What do you mean for them? They don't need their gift. They already have it. They need your gift. They don't have your gift. Your gift isn't for you, it's for the rest of the body. My finger doesn't need a finger. It is a finger. My finger needs a foot. Have you follow that? What you, it's completely unbiblical, completely unbiblical to say, I don't need the body of Christ. Completely unbiblical. It's completely unbiblical to say you don't matter to the body of Christ. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. God composed it, and he's called us to guard it, to guard its unity, and to care for one another. But that's not where he finishes. He keeps going. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He said it again. 
You see, you can't walk out of here and say, well, I really don't feel like, you know, I belong in the body. You don't belong in yourself. It says you are the body. See, the body of Christ isn't a building. The building is a convenient place to gather together. The building's kind of like skin. Kind of just holds it together. It's just convenience. The body of Christ is you. See, and also notice this. It doesn't say we're members with one another. It's not a club. We're not members with one another. What did it say? Now you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. We are members of one another. We're not members with one another. We suffer together, we rejoice together. Okay, let me give you a picture of what this means, all right? Now, you know, anybody ever had an ache and the pain in their body? Anybody, anybody willing to admit they've had an ache or a pain in their body? Anybody who's close to my age or older should have their hand up first. <laughs> I'm not telling you how old I am. All right, tons of them, all right? Okay, and, and when you get an ache or pain in your body, all right. So I, was a bit, uh, I started off in, in, in the work world as a carpenter, right? I actually did some things before that, but for a lot of years I was a carpenter. Let me tell you something. See this part of your body, that looks kind of small and insignificant, doesn't it? Doesn't that look kind of small and insignificant right there? Smash it with a hammer. Tell me how insignificant it is. I promise you, you will feel it in your pinky toe. There's not one part of your body that's not suffering when you just smash that little part of your body right there. Yet I don't matter. Listen, when you're hurting, the rest of the body is hurting. This is where we're to bring those hurts. This is where to pray for one another. This is where we're to lift one another up. And this is where we're to take that outside of the body. If anyone, listen, this is how Paul put it earlier in the previous chapter. This is what he said in the previous chapter. He says, if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. He says, because we don't get this, because we don't understand this, we are not living in a way in which we are connected to one another and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in us and through us and through others to us and we're lifting one another up, healing one another, bringing wholeness around us and in the world. And because we bifurcate ourselves, I dissect ourselves, bring in worldly uh, uh, views, we don't function as we're meant to function, and we wonder why the body becomes sick. He says this. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a more excellent way. His call is that he, we desire to care. We desire to say, God, how do you want me to be who you want me to be right where you've put me? You've composed this. You've built this. You've put me there. You give gifts. How do I do that? How do I embrace all that it is that you've put in me? I'm going to close with this story. I shared this in Connect Group a couple of weeks ago. This is what we're going to close with. Is a, a speaker, uh, um, incredible speaker that I'm, uh, I know of, I've met, um, heard him tell this story personally. His name is Tim Bentz. 
I may have heard a few people have heard of him. He was talking about this point in time when he was estranged in his relationship with his daughter. And the relationship was, um, was the, the reason for the estrangement was because they had different types of giftings. His daughter was a very compassionate person, would reach out to anybody. If somebody was struggling, if they were going through it, and if they were in a low place, she'd want to reach that kind of person. She'd want to make a friend with that kind of person. And here he is as a, as a dad looking at some of her friend choices going, you're making wrong friend choices. And his gift is, is much more black and white, much more truth-oriented, much more straightforward. And he would come to her and say, you shouldn't have those friends. You, th- there's problems, and it would cause a rift in their relationship where it pulled them apart. Because she had the compassion gift for her friends, but all, but, uh, but all she was hearing from him was that she couldn't be who she was. That's what she was hearing. I have to be like you, not like who I am. And he realized that by his actions, he was the one creating this rift. And he went to his daughter and he humbled himself. And he said, you know what? This rift that's between us, it's on me. It's my fault. I recognize the gift God has put in you and that the world needs that gift. And I also recognize that there is a rift between us and I own that. I don't want that rift between us. I want us walking as one, functioning together. Not long after he reconciled with her, she gets a text. One of these friends that she had had compassion on was in the process of committing suicide. And she came running to him. My friend has just texted me, is about to commit suicide. And she was completely distraught. And so they took some time right then and there and said, let's pray, let's seek God. And and he has an amazing discernment gift. And as he's praying, the Lord's given him vision. He's understanding, seeing some things. And he says, you know, I'm just seeing this. Uh, I'm understanding this. And she goes, oh, that sounds like this place from what she knows. And the two of them began to work their gifts together and literally discovered where this person was because they worked together. They got there, she, he had a vision of a door and saw this door. And so um, she, she kind of knew where that might be and they go there and when they see it, they, they find this door that was in the vision they open up the door and the, the person is laying there on the ground and just tried to commit suicide. They were able to save that person's life. You see this, because they worked together, because their giftings came together, because he was willing to humble himself for the sake of the, of the relationship of the two. Even, because they were willing to take what was different and make it one, a life was saved. You see, this isn't small stuff. You matter. You matter. There's no one here that is too small. There's no one here that doesn't count. Ask yourself, do you care? We close out this morning. Ask yourself if you earnestly desire. 
Ask yourself if you realize how important it is, your oneness, your gifting, doing all, all hungering and thirsting to be who God's called you to be in the body. Ask yourself, what's the body missing when we don't do that? Ask yourself what you're missing. 